Hello and welcome back to another episode of For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to chat with your favorite co-workers about what you watched last night. I'm Matt Scalisi, joining me as always, my virtual office buddy, Caroline Darney. Caroline, how are you feeling? We're talking about X-Files. Oh, wait, no, not X-Files. No, not again. <laughs> We're done. I, uh, I'm i done. I'm officially made it through all 217 episodes. Incredible. So. <laughs> Incredible. Your brain is free now yes. to, to consume something else. In I miss them already. Fashion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited to, uh, I am excited to talk about other stuff to people, seeing as no one in 2023 was doing the same type of rewatch of the X-Files, so. They should, though. They should. <laughs> they I, should. I actually, yeah. I heard from multiple people who said they have not watched the show and they're going to give it a shot after listening to us Yay! talk about it. Yeah, so, we're, so excited. We evangelized successfully. I am an influencer. That's right. Super excited. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about some different stuff today, including... Yep. Later in the show, when we are joined by our good friend and colleague from For the Win, Charles Curtis, to discuss Yacht Rock. Correct. Yes. You, you heard me. Yeah, we are talking you. about <laughs> Yacht Rock today in the second half of the show. But before we do that, we're going to hit some quick entertainment headlines, as we always do to get the show going. Uh, Caroline, you know that we're always all about everything Marvel related here yes. whenever there's new things to consume and there will be very soon yeah. with Loki season two on the way very shortly here. Um, they announced actually just today as we're yep. recording this, that they have tweaked their release schedule from what they were originally planning to do. And they're going to now be releasing new episodes every Thursday at 3 PM Eastern, which sounds random. It's, it's, obviously intended to turn this into kind of a primetime viewing window for, um, for, for people all over the country. And so it'll be out by 6 PM on the West coast. And basically the idea will be to somewhat recreate everyone watching the same show on, uh, in the evening time on Thursday night. It's, it's, it seems like this, this, release strategy thing for streaming shows is something that still nobody has really figured out yet. Like there, yeah. there is not a definitive right or wrong way to do it yet. Um, but do you have, I mean, what, what's your overall feeling about this stuff? Because I, I feel like Caroline, I, I'm excited about them doing it this way because this is the most likely window for me to watch stuff in personally. I, I've never really been on board with the, Hey, we're going to drop it at midnight on the West coast. And then there's yeah. going to be like some freaks that stay up until 2 AM to watch it. <laughs> Don't talk about our coworker, Alex. Like, <laughs> 3 AM to yeah. watch, <laughs> to watch then, specifically Loki. <laughs> and I have to like wake up and not use Twitter until I've seen yeah. the show. So I, I'm, I'm a lot more excited about doing it this way, but what, I mean, what's kind of your general habit for yeah. watching a streaming series that you care about? Well, I'm going to do a slight, I think you swapped your time zones a little bit or the times. So it's 9 p.m. East Coast, I think, and 6 p.m. Pacific. You said Caroline, you're obviously correct about this. I am. <laughs> I did it backwards. I was like, 3 p.m. That's wild. Because I was like, I wonder why they don't do it. But yeah, so and I, and I, I think this is a really fun one to try because you're right. We haven't had this yet. And that's the issue with not just streaming weekly release dates because, again, it's when they were doing this midnight 3am thing, you're right. Not barely anyone, if not no one that you're in your close circle with is all, they're all getting up at midnight or all getting up at 3am to watch the new episode. So then it happens over the course of the day, or maybe they hold it until Friday or whatever, when they finally get a chance to watch it. So the chance to like discuss the thing that you really want to discuss is either you run into horrible spoiler territory where you ruin it for someone else accidentally on Twitter, even though I'm with you. If you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers, then try and use mute words or just yeah, don't go what, on. What am Twitter. I going to do? Not stay on Twitter. All right. The time, Excuse Caroline? me. The worst was there was a stretch and this was even pre Elon. So I can't even blame, blame Elon for this, but I might just anyway. Um, <laughs> there was a stretch where I had muted things and the words were still coming through and I was irate, but my thing sometimes when they're the one-offs, not the entire season at once. And I actually even do this with entire seasons. Um, I sometimes like to have more than one to watch. Uh, and so if I don't watch it, like the first day it comes out, sometimes I'm like, well, I'll just like, I'll just bump up a couple, you know, like get a couple back to back so mm -hmm. that I can really 
and this isn't even to say that I only like to binge things, she says, having watched six hours a day of X-Files for the last 38 days. <laughs> um, just in the sense that, like, when it was something like Stranger Things, and I was really looking forward to a new season coming out, mm-hmm. sometimes I'd find myself even waiting a couple weeks to watch it because I knew when I watched it, it was done. And I know that that's yeah. weird and kind of like maybe I need to talk to maybe I need to talk to a therapist about these things. Like maybe this is like some emotional separation anxiety or something. I, where I'm like, I can't I, enjoy my life because when it happens, then it's over. Like I, you know? I do definitely think that there is something to the idea that when we binge an entire season of TV at once, we are less likely to remember any of it having yeah. happened. I think you get there. There's a positive to doing it that way, and and. Yep. A good example of that is is season two of The Bear. It's the last, probably the last time I did something like that with a show. And boy, and I, still, like, I think they blew it though with that. I I think ultimately they it could didn't have dominated. The they could have dominated week to week discussion as people got amped to watch the new episode of. The I Bear. agree. I do. I that's, don't know why that's they said, did that. That said, I think you're like, I loved it. And I ate it all up like a sandwich from that restaurant. Right. (laughs) From that restaurant. I think I do think I do think that show has a good example of the positive reason for doing it this way, which is the, the feeling that everyone got when they went from watching the extra long Christmas episode to the episode that immediately followed it, which was, I I realized that not all shows do something like that, but it was an incredibly unique situation where everybody got totally overwhelmed emotionally by this crazy thing that the show did. And then it was built specifically for you to still be feeling that and then watch the next one and have the complete opposite emotional reaction. So not a lot of shows do that. Or Um, can pull it off as well as like, yeah. I Absolutely. I, I think um, Loki will be very interesting in this. I, I I do think that this is the better way to release. And I'm very excited. I to think see. so too. Like this is one where on October 5th at nine o'clock, I will be ready to crash Disney plus along with everyone else in the country. And then we'll all get online together and bitch about it and be like, I yeah. can't believe they weren't prepared. For and, this. My, like, and my ass will have been sitting in front of the TV since 3 PM going, why isn't it out? Why yet? Isn't it <laughs> when you're <just laughs> angrily tweeting at Disney plus and some like staffers, like it's not out. Still yet. not understanding. Um, and yeah. so like, I am excited for that experience because that's, that is the thing that I, I do think that we are lacking in. I'm very, very interested to see how, what the reaction is, right? This is a show that got, it was one I won't say one of the few that got good reviews, but when people talk about phase four, like want to have the discussion about Marvel Mm -hmm. right now, um, I do think that Loki is one that has escaped some, not all, because there are a lot of people that don't like the Sylvie stuff or they don't like whatever that has escaped some and has been widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best Disney plus TV shows. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say as a relative phase four hater, yeah. I think Loki's the best thing that Marvel has made since Endgame, maybe. Uh, I mean, I really liked it. I don't, I mean, I, I think I ended up liking WandaVision as much or more than Loki. I think, they, I think they're I'm a big better. No Way Home stand. Like, I, th- I think No Way, no. That, so I rescind it and say No Way Home is better than that. But I, I, <laughs> I don't do, know which one came out when. So it could be like you should say since I, No Way Home. Perhaps, I do think but. that Loki, I do think that Loki has the benefit of having been made in a period of time when Disney had not yet realized that it's not going to make any money off of Disney plus. So they were dumping tons of money into the stuff they were making for it to try to attract people to subscribe. And so the result of that is we got stuff like WandaVision and Loki. And, you know, I, I think what happened after that, as they started to see diminishing returns, they started to hit kind of COVID restrictions um, and, and other budgetary things started happening. I think the quality of the stuff they were making for Disney plus really fell off a cliff and Loki season one looks great. It looks movie quality that the performances are great. The writing is really weird and interesting. That's, That's the thing for me is like, I would watch, 
so many hours of just Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston talking. It's such a it's such it. a fun dynamic between it the two so, of them. And that's the stuff that makes the show so great. It's not and like I, the CGI and all that stuff was great and the also Natalie Holt, shout out for that yes. theme. I, it is a bop. Really it is good. one that and it's one that bands like college football bands play a lot. I've heard it several times yeah. already this season. I, I think um, also Caroline in they they've there've been so I mean this whole era of Marvel has been marked by trying to do multiverse stuff. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has gone wrong. I think they haven't quite nailed it down yet. I think they kind of got it right with Loki. I think yeah. the, the like playing with the idea of, of different possibilities and really going out there with it, like to the level of alligator Loki and having a, a, a evil president of the United States, Loki and having other really good actors come in and play different yes. versions of Loki. That's really what this should have all been about. And I also think, you know, I, I hope that I feel some return of this optimism when we see season two of the show, but I came out of the first season thinking they're going to do some cool stuff going forward in Marvel with all of these, th this multiverse idea. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Jonathan Majors yeah, is awesome in season one of Loki. He shows up very briefly, has one incredible long scene, and yeah. he he was awesome in that. Yeah. And I we we are going to get some of him in season two. I don't have any idea how much. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I'm just I, I I would like to see a return to a little bit of of kind of a. a direction with the plot of where this is all going make me feel like the things that are happening matter and that i should care about them you know yeah and i think as connected as the well I, this has always been my defensive phase four is that phase one didn't feel like the coherent story that we were getting that we ended up with in the end game sure end game so like they're starting over. They're trying to, like, there's some that are going to be standalone, just like you had Iron Man 2 was, like, you know, nonsense, standalone, whatever. Um, and that kind of goes into, like, start of phase two. Like, where that phase one, phase two line is, I always get confused, like, which one, because I kind of change the order with my rewatches and whatever. But you start seeing these things pull together. Obviously, the multiverse, like you said, is was going to be, is going to be the through line. And I do agree that there were some mishandlings. And I think that's where I'm most surprised with the, or the frustration is for a story that when you look back and they piece together so perfectly, mm -hmm. this still feels like were the people doing, and this might be that it's Sony, but were the people that were doing No Way Home talking to the people that did multiverse of madness <laughs> like because those should have well, been it's the same very people. connected uh, even though you know sony, what I mean? like sure even though sony owned that movie it was made by marvel studios that's the deal right. is the exactly. sony sony pays marvel to make that movie for so this them this goes back to me just getting mad at sam raimi yeah you do hate you you're you're um, you are I'm definitely a, still mad at sam raimi but i'm I mean, a hater and a half but that's kind of my thing is like that's where i wanted those things to show more cohesion is like sure those storylines should have overlapped a lot more uh, same thing with like, and I know that this is difficult. You can't just have Tom Holland show up to things, but when you're looking at the <laughs> end, <laughs> please, Kenny, um, you're looking at like the end of um, Hawkeye, which I thought was a delightful show. I like Hawkeye really a lot. Yes. It. Yes. Like that's when it would be really cool if you could have had like a, just a small cameo at the mm -hmm. end, because those clearly overlap time-wise with the, with the, Christmas finish and then Tom Holland who now no one knows our sweet Peter Parker is like moved to New York city. Like this whole thing. Anyway, all like we just, and now there's so many questions still. And you know how you mentioned how much will we see Jonathan Majors? Obviously there's the ter like domestic assault or domestic um, abuse like trial that he is going through. So everything has, that's most important. Of course. Figuring out, you know, and that's where you know, everyone's kind of, I think waiting and we don't know what Marvel's going to do. We don't know what kind of punishment this is going to be. We don't know if there's anyway. So it's, it's hard to, and in that it's, anyway, don't get overly excited about anyone. Cause it gets sad. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be like, I was so excited about this. And now I find out that you might not. It um, is, it is an unfortunate reality of, of yeah. watching things we like is that a lot of times uh, the people who made them turn out to not yeah. be good people. I'm, 
I, the, the I, don't story, wanna, I don't want to bring it down. I don't want to bring the no, no, look, down. But it's, it's a, one of those like if we're talking about it. Loki and Marvel and like the like through line of the multiverse, like it's it needs to be said. Like this is it's something that's it's a great over it's it, a but. great example of how many how many things have gone uh, against the what seemed to have been the original plan. And so yeah. can can this can, can they get things back on track? And and is Loki? going to be a part of that um and even if it's not i kind of just think the team of people that make this yes. show are really good at what they yes. do and I and i'm so fine excited. i'm i'll be fine just watching them do what they do again because, because it had it's so a cool many, looking show and it had so many great twists like one it used the its use of um bonnie tyler's i need a hero to open episode two is one of my favorite <laughs> needle drops in the last like five years um but obviously Tom Hiddleston has always been fantastic as Loki. So the, like the charisma and the you know quirkiness that he brings to the God of mischief, like all that stuff. And then you have like, I, like I said, Owen Wilson's fantastic. The soundtrack is fantastic. And they have like the way that they ended season one of him showing up and thinking that he's going to tell his friend what has actually happened and what's going wrong. And no one knows who he is. And he's in a whole another timeline is just chef's kiss. Like I cannot wait to figure out where they're going to take us. And so um, all of the trailers have looked great. The new characters look fun. Like, I, I think just, it's, I think it's really yeah. smart to take a character like Loki, who we're supposed to objectively not like, and he's supposed yeah. to be a bad guy. The anti-hero. And, <laughs> and, and he's, I mean, he was, he, he, the, he murdered the, people. In yes. The first, bad, in the first like he's bad a bad person. guy. <laughs> but, but the function of this show is essentially if we put him through enough of a ringer, can he be redeemed in some yeah. way? And, and in some timeline, <laughs> right? In some ver- in some universe, yeah. can this guy possibly maybe end up being okay? Yeah. And I think that's I think that that is a challenge that you need a really charismatic actor to yes. pull off, and I think Tom Hiddleston has that. So it's one of the shows that I've been most excited for this year. I'm like, excited to see it. Um, yeah, I'm stoked, and I, I'm excited about the new time. I think that's going to actually bring a lot of like buzz and. Yeah, we'll all we'll all get to talk about it together. It'll yeah. be cool. Um, Caroline, one other thing that I wanted to talk about that's been kind of a running theme, especially out there on social media. We've seen a lot. I first came across it on TikTok. It seems like it's made its way to other <laughs> platforms now. Uh, but it's it's this meme, I guess, of of women asking their husbands, boyfriends, men in their life, um, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And I. Look, we it's a whole debate as to whether these people are being honest or not. I yeah. personally don't buy that a lot of these guys think right. about the Roman yeah. Empire every day. But it's a funny it's a funny premise and what I wanted to do today is ask what are our versions of the Roman Empire in in terms of pop culture? <laughs> like is there a thing that you think about every day or close to it? Way more than you should. Like, well, uh, so right now, reason for having thought about it on uh, as frequently as you do. Right now, I'd probably lean Barbie, and I know that that's very recent, like very. But and here's why: Um, my dog, one of my dogs, her name is Bennett, (laughs) and I constantly call her Ben, and so I'll say like, "Hi, Ben," and then I turn it into like where it's the. I do the hi Barbie, <laughs> like she's at saying it to me, mm-hmm. and I go hi Ben, and it's like the dumbest thing, but like literally multiple times a day, I'm calling her Ben and telling her she's been enough. Um, but well, and then my other dog's name is Maverick, so I think about I think about Top Gun Maverick a lot. You for sure think about Top Gun a lot, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other, the most random one that's probably been more like long lasting, especially with my family and like our family chat is I reference or think about the movie aliens a lot more than I should like, well, and it's, it's funny. I think a lot of people on the, on its face, you would say why that one, but it's actually, (laughs) as we talked about, I think on this show at some point, it's a really, it's a surprisingly fun movie for being quotable. That's like for being, yeah. Like the, yeah, man, but it's a dry heat. Like that said, in our family, like at least once a week. I mean, surely um, like 90% of your references to that movie are just Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, right? game over, man. Game over. Like, it's yeah. just like, why well, you put her in charge? Like that happens all the time. Um, it's just, yeah, actually they're like mostly, well, and even that one, the Newt, when they, 
right after the game over man game over when their rescue ship comes up to save them or crashes as it's coming to save them. Um, and they realize that they're now stuck on LV-426 with all of the uh, Xenomorphs. I, I need everyone to know that she was not looking at a Wikipedia or a <laughs> yeah. or anything. She just had LV-426 in her head ready Oh, to yeah. Go. No, that's that lives there. Um, and Ripley picks up the little girl, Newt, and Newt's like, we should find Shell. We should go inside. They mostly come at night. Yes, that's good. Yeah. So we'll do the like, they mostly come at night. I need to, I need I do need to watch it again but oh, I, so I also uh, another really I, I don't have the quotes ready but Paul, <laughs> you Paul don't Reiser's have 426 no, off the top of your head. But Paul Reiser's character is a, is a character I think about a lot because God, it's so such much. a it, it's a it's like an archetype <laughs> that fits the, I, I feel like we run across a lot of Paul Reisers in our world in 2023 Carter Burke Yeah just a guy who like will do absolutely disgusting <laughs> despicable things because his employer asked him to and that's like the only reason he needs basically yeah you yeah. don't see them screwing each other over <laughs> god damn yeah anyway. yeah good <laughs> good movie uh, uh i would have i would have said two different movies mm-hmm. which would be that thing you do oh great movie and Sister Act 2, which are, for, for whatever reason, these are two movies that I have watched a lot in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, they're like, I feel good watching them, and they're fun, yeah. and they're, they're, they, I, they're, in, they're drilled enough into my brain that I think about them a lot. But there's another one that I don't think I would have said until recently when one of our coworkers, I, I made like a reference to the idea I think I was talking about you, actually. We were talking about how you binge TV shows. Yes. Uh, and I and I made a reference to the, the idea of Jim Carrey from Batman Forever downloading all the all the knowledge into his brain and until it made him crazy. And one of our coworkers said, Matt basically thinks about Batman Forever every day. And I and I wouldn't have said that, but I think I do actually. You think you do? Yeah. I think for whatever reason, Batman, I don't like, I don't watch it very often or ever, uh, <laughs> but I did watch it a lot Every when it, day. I mean, I had it on VHS when it came out and I watched it a lot in that format. And I probably have watched it on TV a few times too, but it was just one of those things that hit right at a time when yeah. I was like the target audience for it, of just being a dumb teenage boy that was absolutely into every aspect of it i love the design of it and all the toys and i love jim carrey and um and it had a soundtrack album that was great that i listened to all summer and yeah. you know batman forever was just like it it very much is feels like the 90s to me and and so yeah i mean it probably is the other the other reason why i probably think about it a lot is uh i have a very particular affinity for uh, one bit of consumer culture from the nineties, which is um, fast food promotional times. Yes. I am obsessed with this. I don't know why. I just think they're great. And Batman forever. I feel like had some kind of tie in with a lot of different companies. Yeah. Like I feel like they were, That's they were the movie that year that was on all the chip bags and the soda yeah. cans. And uh, there That's were not Mr. Freeze though. That's Batman no, that's Batman. Batman and Robin is Mr. Yeah. Freeze, which is, those those two movies Perfectly. share a lot of DNA, but Batman and Robin is a different level of dumb than Batman Forever is. <laughs> the latex suits with the, like weird nipples, yeah. They have the yeah. They went full on with the with yeah. the nipples on the suit, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, th- I, those are those are the ones that I think. That's my that's my yeah. my Roman Empire trio of movies is Batman Forever, that thing you do. And Sister Act Two. That's an incredible trio. There was a, there were two like reply or stitches on TikTok that I saw that I actually of like what what is the like women's version of the Roman Empire that I actually was like okay yeah this is pretty accurate I do think about this a lot. Uh, one to bring up my sweet sweet Tom Holland again uh, is Tom Holland performing Umbrella on Lip Sync Battle, which yes. is one of the if you haven't seen it, Google it, watch it. There is, I follow the rule of Twitter where if you see it, you got to retweet it. You got if you see it, you watch it and you reach, then you share it, see it, watch it, share it. Got to watch it through the whole thing. It is incredible. That's where most people learn that he's actually a trained dancer. He was in Billy Elliot. Like 
he's our sweet, perfect son. He's wonderful. Um, absolutely agree with that one. <laughs> and then the other was, this is very specific for a very specific audience. If you also tied it to Barbie, actually, if you uh, repeatedly watch the 1995, not 1995, that's the wrong year, um, the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. That was probably like 2005, maybe. Yeah, 2005. I think think this is the Joe Knight version. Um, Matthew McFadden or (laughs) Joe Wright. Who did I say? Joe Knight. Anyway, Joe Knight. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you said Batman. Um, I don't know. It's my fault. Joe of the Knight. No, I was kidding. That's right. Um, When he, when Matthew McFadden is Darcy, like offers his hand to her to help her into the um, carriage. And he like has this bald fist as he walks away and then like flexes his hand. Like the, the touch was electric. No, 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 no. I I don't like the phrase lives rent free in my head, but that scene lives rent free in my head. I have seen the movie. I like the movie. I do not remember this detail. This absolutely has to be a thing that hits a female brain. Yes. It is like, and it, I saw the one that I saw replying to, the you know Roman Empire whatever whatever she the girl she didn't even show the scene she didn't play the music she just um, set up her phone camera and then walked by her own camera with her hand and then did the like <laughs> hand flex thing like it was perfect I was like I amazing know exactly what you mean I, like, I didn't totally, need any other notes I'm like, totally unaware of how iconic this this moment is from this movie that's amazing I, I'm gonna have to go watch the scene now. I will send it to you. It's perfection. It is what every, like, even women who, like, even women who are like, I don't need no man. Like, I am fine on my own. You see that scene, you're like, oh my God, look at me. <laughs> you like completely, there's like that audio that's like all the feminism, like leaving your body. Like that's, yeah. that's the scene. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Caroline, do we, do we have anything else we want to hit on before we bring Charles in? Um, no, I think next week I'm going to do a little bit more listening and next week I'm going to give you my, um, way too late, probably a couple years late. Cause they apparently started this during COVID, but the, uh, smartless podcast, um, with, I need to get the right. Will Arnett. Will Arnett. You're, you're, um, you're I was like, I almost said Forte, uh, Jason Bateman and Sean yeah. Hayes. She and got they, it. They each week will invite a famous friend or a friend on. Um, mm-hmm. And the other two don't know who it's going to be. So they have like a surprise guest for the other two each week and they rotate through bringing people on. Um, and if it were any other trio, I think it would be an extremely like arrogant pre- um, like premise. Is that, does that make sense? Like, Oh, here are these three actors like talking to their actor, their rich so actor famous friends. friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Good for you. But there's something about this trio that makes it so palatable and like relatable. And they had like, so I listened to one that had like Robert Downey Jr., and they asked him real quick. They were asking him like stuff about being locked up and like spending time in prison and like how, what that did for, you know, his outlook on life and how it changed. And it's all very like free flowing conversation. And they're asking people and, but it's also hilarious because like, I don't know if there's a more casually funny person than Jason Bateman. Um, I am obsessed with him. So it's uh, Nicole Auerbach recommended. I listened to the Tom Holland episode. Um, there we go three times everyone at home gets a prize no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Wait, who, who, I, who got I, a third mention was it tom holland or tom, holland, tom holland <laughs> well I, nicole got two yeah <laughs> three separate tom holland stories everyone yeah. at home wins um but i because it's me i went back and started listening to some of the earlier ones with guests that i wanted to i like to feel the build up and i'm glad i did it that way because there's an episode where um they're telling a story and Sean Hayes is like kind of doing like almost like voiceover or like how he said it would be like the pop-up bar where it's like when they say someone's like, when they say like, Oh, I was hanging out with Tom and he's like, that's actor Tom Holland. Like that sort of thing. Cause apparently he has family <laughs> in Wisconsin. That's like, we don't know who you're talking about. Like yeah. who, all the, who are all these people? And so, and now every time in an episode that someone says a name, like Will Arnett will be it. like, yeah. yeah, Will Arnett will be like, for you Wisconsinites out there, I'm talking about <laughs> whatever. So it's really fun. I highly recommend it. We should do we should do podcast recommendations for other podcasts on our yeah. podcast. Why not? It. It's about Let's pop culture. It. That's pop culture. Yeah. To me. All so right. I, that's I, our I that's our rep for this week is go check out Smartless. Yeah, I ran out of dateline episodes. So I branched out into <laughs> non-true crime. And uh it's much 
uh, more fun for like dog walking at night when you're listening to Jason yes. Bateman versus, um, you know, Keith Morrison. Though he's, though he does have a sleep story now on call. <laughs> really demented stuff. To listen to, to listen to a Dateline voice to try to fall asleep. That's like, amazing. Oh, well, now I feel it at, at home. <laughs> She was she was just laying down to go to sleep. Yeah, when she thought nothing could go wrong. Oh, what was that noise? <laughs> oh Damn it, Keith Morrison. <laughs> oh God. All right, we'll be back after a quick break to bring in our good friend Charles Curtis to talk yacht rock. So stick around. All right. Welcome back to the show. We're super excited about this week. Um, This is a delight for us because we get to be in meetings with this guest a lot, all the time, which are as fun as meetings can be, actually. These are usually pretty fun meetings, but this is way more fun. Uh, We have the one and only Charles Curtis here from our For the Win team. Charles, how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm really honored to be here. Thank you for selecting me and for saying that our meetings are actually really fun. (laughs) Michael Scott, but like in a good way. Maybe that makes me a dork, but that's fair. It needs to be noted for the audience that Charles is wearing a dad joke t-shirt. It says, it says, it says dad jokes. I think you mean rad jokes. Yes. He is our dad joke king, but we're not actually just talking about dad jokes. Say Charles, what did, how was your thought pro- we kind of pressured you a little bit i will say we pressured you into a choice but uh what did you choose for pop culture potluck and how did you come to this decision well <laughs> i sat there for a good two minutes when you told me i was going to be on the pad- podcast and, you, and i thought there's so many directions i could go in i could bring up saved by the bell which i know matt is a huge fan of and caroline i know you're a fan of as well or i could do a movie and then suddenly caroline from the top rope was like I'm just going to mention Michael McDonald and Yacht Rock, and which is something that, that Caroline and I have shared DMs about for two years. Yes. Uh, thank God I have another person on staff who, who loves Yacht Rock. And I thought, <laughs> that's what we're talking about today, because that's something I can go deep on. And so that was a great call, Caroline. And Matt was all in. And <laughs> also, I had to the fact that Matt had done a jingle with a Michael McDonald voice. We have to go full circle here on the podcast. I, so. I've actually done two Michael McDonald jingles already. So... Uh, <laughs> It, there, there may or may not be a third yes. one coming shortly here, but we'll get to that eventually. I, I you know, I, I, I think this is a really interesting thing, Charles, because first of all, this is a term that the, the terminology itself is not anywhere close to as old as the actual music. This yeah. is a, this is a relatively recent phenomenon in terms of naming it and and really categorizing it. And it mostly is is from the YouTube era. This is like the 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 name itself comes from this series of short films that were done on YouTube that were a comedic take on the history of these of these songs. But actually, the more you the more you look into it and the more you read about it, it it actually was a very close knit phenomenon. And all of these guys really did work together on on each other's music, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy when you dive into it. And actually, uh, this is where I get to say that, like, this is actually uh, there's a news plug for this in that Paramount Plus just aired, I think, a few months ago, uh, a documentary, three parts called Sometimes When We Touch. It's a documentary all about Yacht Rock and sort of the, the highs, the lows and then the comeback. And it's kind of mind blowing to see that where you go, oh, uh, like these are all studio guys like or a bunch of them were like Toto and Mike McDonald and, you know, all of them worked together in various ways. And so they're all intertwined and yeah, and, and it, it, it's a movement, you know, that's the kind of thing you get from documentary is like, it was an actual like fad for quite a while and then it got destroyed. And then like everything else in pop culture now, there's a nostalgia factor and it, it suddenly became cool again, which is really great for somebody who thought 20 or 30 years ago when I really started digging into Yacht Rock, like, oh, this is, no, one's, no, one, no one else likes this. So like, it's nice to see there's a, there's a whole cult following or even beyond that i would say it's really big there there is a and i'm sure this is not unique to my area but there was there was a band uh called the yacht rock review that i mm-hmm. i have seen mm-hmm. live yeah. they have they i believe they're kind of nationally touring and they get yes. a lot of they get <laughs> a lot of followers yeah but yeah. it's 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 funny because i would say and i this is this is without having really any hard data on this 
it seems like <laughs> our favorite way to do right there. <laughs> I seems, feel like I have no backup information on this, it but it feels true. It's truthy. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's I think it's interesting because I this seems like mostly a millennial phenomenon, right? That's I think who is largely into it. I'm sure there are younger people and older people into it too, but the resurgence of it is very much a millennial phenomenon. And a lot of the culture of our parents are things that we've kind of rejected, but this particular thing we seem to have really embraced. And, and despite how really old fashioned it sounds, a lot of us have these really positive associations with it. And, and at some point when we became adults, we all decided, you know what, this stuff is really good. Well, (laughs) and it started as a kind of like, not a joke, but I think it does. I think it kind of, I grew up listening to, and how you delineate what yacht rock is is kind of, I think, up to each person too. So it, can, it clearly is in the Michael McDonald's, the Christopher Crosses, like that stuff that's, like you said, Toto, like that's all. Anything that you'd, you know, maybe someone's wearing boat shoes and a polo standing next to you, like as you like sip some sort of fruity beverage ish. But like, <laughs> it, I think I always I also extend it into some ELO, maybe some travel. It, it kind of, crosses my dad vibes playlist which uh as who is it our good friend spencer hall says like or matt brown says this too but um that being a dad is you can be a physical dad or it's also a vibe it's a way of life like it's the and i i have a long lot of strong dad vibes like i buy the you know 12 pack of bagels from costco and freeze the rest i like take all these traits from my father that i'm like i am turning into my father and one of those is listening to steely dan more but like so i listen to it growing up and then it kind of for me at least went through this like joke phase <laughs> not but you're, you're kind of like uh, yeah let's put on some let's put on some kenny loggins that'll be a real hoot won't it, won't it? <laughs> well, I think for, like, well this is actually enjoyable i think that's a really good point that you bring up that there's a, like an irony to the music yeah. mm-hmm. that music in a way but here, here's what i'd add to it because i think it's like the seven stages of grief kind of like there's like a, like a, <laughs> oh i'm not listening to this oh it's actually kind of good well maybe i should be listening to it Oh man, this is actually really good. Like, yeah. come around to like, right. I started out with like, listen to the. Uh, I grew up in New York City, so I, I listened to the local uh, oldie station, which by the way now plays nineties music, which is oh, happening to every oldies channel, which is killer. Yes. Um, but they are oldies technically because that's thirty years ago. Anyway, so, um, but I would I would hear what a full police, and I'd be like, what is that? That is great. That is really good. But I can't like that because it's corny as hell. And yeah. then when you dive deeper into it, you know, I'm like a jet. I like I like all kinds of music. I'm from rap to, to, to yacht rock to anything in between. To a lot of jazz. There's a lot of funk going on in here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like like really good funky jazzy chords going on mixed with this earnestness that you don't necessarily get out of other so so i want to bring this up because this there the term yacht rock was not used at the time that this music was being made but there was a term that got used a lot in sort of music journalism to describe several of these artists very worried because i really like this music and i'm like the term the term that was used was blue-eyed soul I was going to bring that up. Yes. Which is ahead. which is interesting when you think about the construction of that phrase because essentially kind of what they're saying there is this is white guys making R&B. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I, mean, I, and I wanted to bring that up because I, I wanted to delineate the two, but when you bring it up, it really is there. Because to me, Blue-Eyed Soul is like Tom Jones, you know? like or, Sure. Or, um, uh, oh, God, what's the British? Rick Astley, maybe. Who'd you say? Rick Astley. Rick Astley. Well, that's like 80s. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking more of, um, oh, well, they, they use the term, and it's true for Michael McDonald. What is the name of the woman, the British woman who sang um, uh, Billy Ray was a preacher? Son, uh, uh, son of a preacher man. Who's preacher man. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's killing me. But that's like blood soul. That's like a white woman doing. So, so right. you're saying that now that those are, I would say, maybe much more deliberate in that they are they're definitely fully trying to make like gospel music or, or soul music. Whereas definitely a lot of what we would consider yacht rock is kind of like a blend of several different genres. Some of which is for sure R and B funk. It's, it's a, it's a lot of different things. It's also what we would today call like soft rock or con- yes. or adult contemporary. Oh, I think God, is don't that. rock, that's yes. the phrase adult contemporary is the one that makes me feel like, <laughs> 
I'm, I'm on my way to pick it. Is it is a gross term. When I, when I hear in a minivan, like I just, when, that was the one yes. where I'm like, oh, here I I'll go. tell you, like, Caroline, not knocking any of those things, but that's what I'm like, okay, this is putting me in my place where I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, when I hear adult contemporary, the first thing I think about is this song from the 90s from an artist called Bob Carlisle, and it was called Butterfly Kisses. Do you know the song I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just absolutely dreadful stuff. But I but, think of Michael Bolton. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Michael Bolton, yes. I, I think, is like a direct descendant of of Yacht Rock. Why but not. I, I don't. I don't know that I'd put him in there. Would you? Doesn't he feel like he's later than what we're talking about? He is right, but he's like sort of a a, a, a cousin later? somewhere. Because then I think yeah. what happens to Yacht Rock is it gets kind of, and this happened to jazz in a big way. Um, I think about that a lot with the way that like jazz started getting into. Uh, easy listening, which is god awful, but it's like oh when, my god, jazz, it's going yeah. to fusion, like, and it, it gets kind of like um, repurposed and eventually turned into this pop morass of terribleness. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever, it's not real jazz to me. Like, you know, like, it, I, no offense, Kenny G. Kenny G's really talented, really done some great things in his career, but I do not listen to that. But that that is a somewhere cousin jazz. So, like, adult contemporary Michael Bolton is like a you know twenty years later. Yacht Rock. That's where I sort of go. With sure. It. Uh, although now that you start talking about easy listening jazz, right? Like the what's the what's the one uh, that, that that's it was a big hit. It was a big instrumental hit that they they sing it on Seinfeld and they and he starts putting words to it. You know what I'm talking about? Where he sings oh. the the our friends, I guess, is what it is. Where he's talking about the morning is here. Oh yeah, that's that's um yeah, that's like that's like so I, to me. That yeah. feels very yacht rocky, right? Like at a certain point, at a certain point, that th- that sort of easy listening jazz is probably also one of the many different contributing things that makes yacht rock the the weird stew of genres that it well, is. It also, that, by the way, that was Chuck Chuck Mangione. That Chuck Mangione. Yes. It also um, uses what I consider to be a wildly underutilized instrument. The saxophone makes a lot of appearances. There are a lot of, a lot of sax solos, yes. I also think, when I think of Yacht Rock, I think of, again, ELO, riding with me in a car, Godspeed to you. Uh, if I'm comfortable around you, then I will sing and I'll do all of the parts. Like I, Because usually I'm riding by myself and I do what I want. So like I will do horn solos and whatever. I play a mean mouth trumpet. <laughs> Cannot play an actual. <laughs> so you're you doing. You're doing. I do. I do a. I do a kind of a. You want to do one right now? <laughs> you're doing the horn solo in the car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me, I need to try and think of the best ones because I'll like throw one in there. But this is a side. Back to like the um, kind of a joke of things, and then really enjoying it is when I was doing a podcast with Ryan Nanny, who's done this show and Kyle Menduho on the big screen sports, we were talking about uh, top gun shocker. And we near the end of it was, we're completely going off the rails and Nanny finds that Kenny Loggins was playing a show in DC. And I was like, I have to go to this. So like by the end of the podcast, I've purchased tickets like on the podcast, like we're talking through it. I'm buying my seats. And uh, I was going to DC and I invited, um, so last week's guest, uh, Godfrey on Split Zone Duo, he co-hosts with Alex Kirshner. <laughs> so Kirsch and I go to see Kenny Loggins. And he asked me earnestly before we go, he's like, are we going uh, because we we're excited about this? Are we going to laugh? Are we going, like, what's our vibe? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I think so- a little bit of both. But it was, and it was this, like, storytelling with Kenny Loggins mm-hmm. version. So it wasn't just him playing. This guy came out and, like, would ask him a question. He'd tell the story about how he came up with the song or, like, whatever. And he did it all in chronological order. When I tell you, it was incredible. And that was, like, I learned so much. And part of it that fascinates me about Yacht Rock, and it's not Yacht Rock specific 100%, I don't think, but the, the overlap and the collaboration. So I learned that What a Fool Believes was Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald. And literally Kenny Loggins showed up to Michael McDonald's house or vice versa. And was like, I guess we're working on a song. And they just kind of hang out, crank out this incredible tune. And then they basically made a gentleman's deal that like, whichever of them had a song, an album come out next would get the song. And so Michael McDonald had an album coming out. And so it's a Michael McDonald song. Wasn't the story. Yeah. Wasn't the story that, that, Kenny Loggins is like walking up to his house and he heard it from the garage and he knew like yes. 
and he was like, heard him like, kind of, I know what to write. I know he's like, I got this. We'll finish it. Like, it's incredible. I, the amount of respect that I have for people that have that kind of musical ear, like when the, the get back, um, Show, documentary yes. when they show them like coming up with the and I'm like you got to be kidding me I'm sitting here like I can't even get my act together and these guys are like yeah yeah okay yeah no best just best, figuring it best out it's incredible now, I will I will as a person with no musical talent I, as evidenced on this show I will I will always have tremendous respect for it. people who can create a piece of music that sounds like it just should have existed all along somehow. So like it's that perfect of a song. And with new stuff I'll, still. How? I do think a lot of these guys in the genre we're talking about, and the reason, there's a lot of reasons. There's probably also aesthetic reasons why this genre made a resurgence. But I think a lot of it just is they're just really well-written songs. Yeah. And a lot of these guys are just really good songwriters and they wrote for stuff outside their genre too. If you go and look at any of these guys, they mostly, most of them have written for other people too. And they wrote big hits. I found out not that long ago um, that Michael McDonald, I, I, I was looking up a song in my, uh, in, in my sort of recent uh, deep dive into, research. I was, I was diving deep into Van Halen, which I do every <laughs> once in a while and looked up um, a, a Van Halen song and saw that Michael McDonald was one of the co-writers on it. And, and yeah. like these guys could write, for just about any genre, they're just really good at putting songs together. It's a, it was it they they were just the best at what they did, and they they existed as actual artists that were performing the music. But they they would have been successful in that business no matter what. Uh, to, just to add to that, I think that one of the cooler things about the last twenty or thirty years is people starting to realize that studio musicians who just came in and not necessarily only did that, but like their main nine to five or nine to whenever work was coming in and doing uh, studio work, and that's in that group: Toto, yep. Michael McDonald, uh, the the Wrecking Crew, which did uh, Beach Boys, um, uh, did Pet Sounds, uh, the, yeah. the the documentary that was about. Uh, the Motown group standing on the sh- uh, this standing on the sh- shoulders of Motown is that what it is, um, which I watched fairly recently. It's fantastic, but yeah, is discovering these guys are re- and gals too, really talented people, really like phenomenally talented people that get no recognition are now getting the recognition that they deserve. So very. Cool. Very fun stuff. Well, in listen. the albums, I will say this too: the yeah. best part is if you're in the car listening to a playlist that has like a bunch of yacht rock. Like the yacht rock playlist. I'm on. Not only is this stuff, I think why it also made resurgent is it's it's kind of calming without being like water sounds of the night. You know what I mean? Like it's not like no, it's a very loom. good like it's summer not, vibes. Yeah, yeah, and it's light and it's got like a beat and you could you just picture yourself you're already you're at a party at someone's house and it's just like chill background music. But the album covers are like nine times <laughs> out of ten art, and by art I mean. I cannot believe that that is the picture they landed on. <laughs> like, like they got all those back and they're like, nailed it. I don't Toto's think album covers particularly are like, I don't think we need to take signs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Or it's just I, like a picture of a guy. In where Chicago. Like, that's the, that's yeah. the hair. That's I, what I actually, like, I actually okay. very recently also saw the music video for the song Rosanna by Toto, which I don't know if you've ever seen the video. It's great. Incredible. I think, I, I think it's supposed to be kind of a, uh, West Side Story type uh, thing, yeah. but it's it's just unbelievable. I mean, it must have been incredibly expensive. It was massive. <laughs> We're shouting out favorite yacht rock videos. I'm going to throw one out there for Private Eyes. Hall notes. Yeah, very good. Top notch. My sister yeah. loves that. She's like, "Have you seen this one?" She'll send it to me like every other month. I'm like, "Yes, you've, you've sent this to me. This is still good. Still great." Well, saw them it, in concert too. Slapped. Wow. Totally great. Good stuff. Loved it. Loved it. Well, listen. Caroline just mentioned the Yacht Rock playlist that she listens to. And for, for our interactive segment this week on the show, we're going to be building our own Yacht Rock playlist. And we're, of course, going to do this in a competitive style. We are going to draft three songs each uh, for our ultimate Yacht Rock playlist. And we will let the listeners decide who ultimately put together the better Yacht Rock playlist. Um, but yeah, we, th- let's... Uh, Let's let's get let's kick this thing off. Let's get it officially going. The 2023 for the water cooler yacht rock playlist draft. And of course, I have a little bit of a song 
to kick us <laughs> off. I apologize in advance. This one's a little bit longer than usual. It felt appropriate. Oh, given the occasion. All right. Go ahead, Chandler. Yes. I keep selecting Yacht Rock songs on my phone. I keep selecting Kenny Loggins and the Doobie Bros. I keep selecting songs to play on my boat. I keep selecting every time I hear songs by Toto or Hall and Oates. Makes my yacht float when I jam out to some Rupert Holmes. <laughs> and all my friends grab their leisure suits and meet me on deck to crank out some tunes. Tell me how come I I'll keep selecting yacht rock songs on my phone. Shout out to the backup vocals. Who did your backup vocals, Matt? That, I have a that was my wife, Francesca, doing the background vocals. I, I really extra appreciate it because she hates Michael McDonald. And I yeah. made her, what? I she get that. To, I understand that. She had to listen to that song many, many times to do that. So I Do you know who did the, the background vocals to the to I Keep Forgetting, by the way? Good question. I don't know, but I, I'm going to be looking that up as, as we start I our draft. it was Michael McDonald's sister. Wow, that's amazing if that's true. Yep. So this is where my dad loves all of this genre he always has, like very Traveling Wilburys, um, Beatles, ELO, all these things. And he knows everybody's, like Celia Dan, he knows every, per, like when it's Skunk Baxter on the saxophone and like the backups and stuff. And like he knows everyone's story where he's like, this guy used to play saxophone for them. And then he ended up with this band. Um, I love that that's also, correct me if I'm wrong, I'd be very upset if I'm wrong because I love the song Regulate, but that's sa- that's are, what the sample. You regulate. are absolutely like, correct. That is the same one, Regulate. If yeah, and the Yacht Rock episode that that was done on Channel 101, which is now, it's all over YouTube. You should watch them all in a row. It's great comedy and also like just hilarious to see how they take the fake stories and make them feel really real. Um, uh, yeah, the, the episode where they, they they figure out how to make that the smooth rap. It's it's hysterical. Charles Charles was correct, by the way. The backup vocals on the original track are Maureen McDonald, who is Michael McDonald's sister. Um, I, I love weird facts about that. I I will probably <laughs> dig into those as we as we draft. Yeah. All right. So Charles, you're gonna you're gonna choose first. Uh, yes. You get the first pick in the draft. Caroline will go second, Thanks. and I will go last. I mean. That's a real honor, and I hope that you would do so. And obviously, I have to take "What a Fool Believes" by the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald. I, I can't can't blame you for that one. Yeah, at I mean, all. That, that, was that unanimous number one? Like, were we all taking that? Or that was it's the pinnacle. It's it's yeah. the great, you know. And it was just, it was the Bryce Young of this draft, without question. Well, yeah, I had a couple other ones that I'll, I'll keep in the back pocket for later, and I'll tell you what other ones I was considering. But I would say that also Kenny Loggins's version, which is different and kind of yeah. almost more yacht rocky than mm-hmm. than Michael McDonald and Doobie, Doobie's I version. Um, I scream. Particularly when he does the sentimental food don't see, which is done as a background vocal as opposed to a continuous thing anyway that's very cool that's pick number one very nice you caroline your, your choice oh this is stressful see this is a weird thing because i'm like going off of my personal preference like if i'm making a yacht rock playlist yeah first of all, i'm putting what a fool believes i'm gonna take peg i'm doing it very nice i'm taking steely dan peg it's i feel like i would be a fraud if i didn't and it's one of those i can't wait just in case charles swoops in knowing that i'm gonna want it <laughs> i gotta take it and again we got the back of vocals for if you haven't again so you think we're like giving you all these things to youtube if you're already on youtube watching the yacht rock series type in <laughs> michael mcdonald um peg and it, they isolate just his backup and it's just like him foreign movie um and it's top notch but it's just such a like perfect 80s steely dan yacht rock casual listening whatever terms you want to throw to it um it's just perfection i, love I, I had a moment where i was like i don't want to consider because i'm such a huge steely dan fan i've seen them live a bunch of times i'm like <laughs> uh like uh do, do, do we really want to put them in this category but yeah they probably belong but like i went back and forth i was like oh like do we have to consider because then I'd, I'd list a bunch of steely dan songs that's a good pick See, also that, what you're to Am I breaking the rules? Can I keep it? I can pick another no, one. Oh, I think that's in. 
Yacht okay. Rock large, holds large swathes. It is contained yes. multitude. There are a lot of songs that are on my list that are maybe not Yacht Rock songs, but they are Yacht Rock songs. So anyway, yes. Matt, yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, my I, I'm going to make it a clean sweep in the first round of songs that include Michael McDonald in them and go with a... That's the Lord intended. I'm going with the Christopher Cross song, Ride yes. Like the Wind, with a, yes. with a Michael McDonald backup vocal on the chorus. Can we throw in the SETV skit? That, I knew you were going to say just that. Perfect and hilarious. Yes. And, I, and I, there is a story somewhere. Now, don't quote me. This is like... We have to fact check this afterwards, so maybe cut this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but there is a story where I want to say Michael McDonald was on the road. He had never seen the skit, and then he got high, and he went and saw it and was like, is this real life? Like, he was like, he like, smoked <laughs> like, into a room. And- for, for people who haven't seen it, there is there is an SCTV skit that, that was about that song where – because Michael McDonald sings one line every chorus uh, of the song, and it's Rick Moranis as Michael McDonald, and he's literally like he's he's running around doing a bunch of different jobs, and then when that line comes up, he he runs straight into a recruit a recording studio at the last second and sings his one line, and then he leaves immediately. It, but it keeps happening where it's like he he's he keeps he comes in to have a dispute about his pay, and it's all done silently. All you right. hear is for cross song and then all of a sudden he realizes he's got to run back into the studio and do the vocal and it's it, really good long way to go. yeah it's so it's, good oh it's so good oh my god all right round two charles you are up let's let's stir things up um i'm gonna pick a song that we were talking about blue-eyed soul before and also sort of the implications of that phrase and 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 what it means and i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna throw somebody in here who i think May not belong in the category, but I think, again, like I said, contain multitude. So I'm going to pick What You Won't Do for Love by Bobby Caldwell. Really good. Is a just a banger of a tune and uh, just beautiful. And um, I didn't know if it was Yacht Rock, but I think it's Yacht Rock. Yeah. It's, and it's all, it's really, I think you could get away with also calling it just traditional R&B too. That's, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, R&B as well. Yeah. And, and there's just like the cool thing about YouTube is seeing um, people react to Bobby Caldwell and seeing what it's like. <laughs> yes. For lack of a better term, like, you know, and, and again, getting back to that blue-eyed soul sort of thing that we right. talked about, you know, like, I think that's, it's a remarkably great, well put together tune. If you listen to it, like I have a thousand gajillion times, the strings in the background, the horns, the synths, the, his vocals, it's gorgeous. Also, another song that was uh, sampled by 90s hip hop. So yes, Tupac. a lot of these, a lot of these were. All right. Tupac did what you're doing for love. Yeah. Caroline. This is really stressful. Um, I am going to go one that I actually did not know until I found the Yacht Rock playlist a few years ago. I'm going to go reminiscing Little River Band. Great song. Great song. Caroline's um, Caroline's list is very uh, is is very <laughs> non traditional. I would say out of the like this. These, these are sort of deep cuts. I think. Yeah. It's these. It's. I'm really on the fence. I'll give you, when we finish, I'll throw out, well, we can start out a few more of the ones that were like also considered. Cause there's so many, like the other part that I'll throw in here is part of my resurgence into, in finding more of these songs is tied to um, the first two guardians of the galaxy movies coming out. Um, because a lot of those were, I knew more in the first one than I did the second. Um, but those also have a lot of like deep cut, same vibe type songs and that's where i was listening to those and then spotify was like if you like that you might like these (laughs) you know like you were you were pulled into the yacht yeah and so i kind of found some different things and now you end up listening to like southern nights glenn campbell leads you into like a bunch of it's like a gateway song (laughs) all of a sudden all of a sudden you got little river band reminiscing and you're just like well, I can't stop listening to this. What else you got for me? So, yeah, it's a weird pick, but I like that song. <laughs> and I don't want to go all. I don't want to go all Hall and Oates or like. Sure. Not that that's bad. Hall and Oates is great. No. But, yeah. there, there's a live version, by the way, of, of of reminiscing when they replaced the lead vocalist with a different lead vocalist who has a voice of pure gold, and he sings it. They sing it about five really? steps up in, on the octave. Really? Oh wow! And he's got a incredible. I'll send it to you after this. And you can send it to the listeners. Done. It's it's unreal. <laughs> Done. I am a little surprised you mentioned uh, no Holland Oat songs taken yet, which I, I would have I would have thought they would go before now. But I and and I'm going to continue that. I'm not taking Holland Oat <laughs> songs. 
I am going with uh, what I consider to be a quintessential yacht rock band, which we haven't even mentioned yet, which is Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, I'm going with uh, I could I could pick many songs from them. They're one of my favorites, but I'm going with the song "If This Is It," which is like an element of yacht rock that we haven't really talked about yet. Is there's also kind of some like '50s doo-wop influence. Sure. Uh, which is for sure a big part of Huey Lewis and the News and, and that song in particular. So I'm going with If This Is It. <laughs> okay. I'm intrigued. That Dark Horse. I would not have seen that coming, Huey yeah. Lewis. But I like Man, it. I, 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 I would put them as a as a pillar of Yacht Rock. Interesting. Okay. So I have the last pick here, huh? Yeah. Huh. I've got a, like, a list of like 20. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to throw a monkey wrench into the mix. No, I don't know. All right, all right, all right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a deep cut for my last one. Mm. And here's, it's it, it to me, it, it vaults up the charts immediately. It's called Nothing You Can Do About It, and it's by a band called Airplay. And not a lot of people know about it, and it got a lot more play in Yacht Rock playlists. It's a little band that was together for a little while and has David Foster in it. Do you know who David Foster is? No, David, David Foster, Foster songwriter, uh, producer extraordinaire, who is the guy who's currently married to Catherine McPhee. Wow. <laughs> there you go. So This song is so dripping with yacht rock sauce. It's just like, it's got the horns. It's just an, a, Charles, a, a, I, this is a total blind spot for me. I've never heard of this song or band. This is why I wanted to pick this as after you suggested it, because I was like, Oh man, like I can go real deep on this. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great song. Again, I will send this to you. You will. You, and after you be like, Oh my God. So there you go. That's my last pick. Very um, nice. Caroline. I think this, makes them the first two song person but I would be remiss if I didn't take Sailing by Christopher Cross I think that I mean it really it feels almost, too much it, like it's a game, almost like it's almost like by default like it's like the Yacht Rock National Anthem right yeah it's like what are you it's like yeah we're like drafting <laughs> Yacht Rock songs given that sailing would be number one is like almost yeah. how I feel that that is. But yeah, I, I will take also shout out to my friend Kyle Matus. He would disown me as a friend if I did not take sailing. Like if he was like, did you take sailing? And I was like, no. Um, so I want to, I, there's, I'm kind of like, I want to throw out another super yeah. random one that I love, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, I went a little random for the first two, but <laughs> So I could I could go for a couple of different ones at, at the end here. One, one that I was thinking about taking and I'm not going to is one one of the songs that I did do uh, a jingle uh, parody of on our podcast, which is called "Taking It to the Streets" by the Doobie Brothers. It's a, a Michael McDonald classic, which I always think of like to me. Uh, that is a very like you are driving around in a major city in the '80s. Yes. And there's like a montage of tall buildings around you, you know, that's what that song makes me think of. Yeah. Uh, I believe that, I believe that was a song that I did for our, uh, for our Nicole Auerbach episode where we were talking about street food. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I, what I'm, what I'm going to go with instead is a different Loggins McDonald collab called Heart, to, Heart to Heart, uh, which I think is a really, I I don't really ever hear people talk about that song. It doesn't get played as much, but it sounds like it would have been a massive, like top forty hit in in this era. Um, I thought you were going to go with "This Is It." No, yeah. "This Is It" is also very very good, but I'm going with "Heart to Heart" because it's one. It it is very clearly sounds like a Michael McDonald song, but it is it is sung with the Kenny Loggins power that only he can bring. To the vocals. See, I almost took I almost took playing with the boys for being honest too. But I will say I <laughs> one of my favorite and earliest introductions to like really understanding who Michael McDonald was. My sister and I loved watching um, the old Mystery Science Theater episodes, and there was one. Uh, the movie was Deathstalker and the Warriors from Hell. That uh, was horrible. <laughs> the very opening scene is like supposed to be this Renaissance time frame, and there's two guys doing what amounts to essentially the like 
gladiator show jousting where they have like the huge q-tip looking things but they're like, like medieval times q-tips yeah yeah um and one of the guys in the in the audience and the mystery science theater guys is like look it's michael mcdonald versus the lead singer of Loverboy." And the actor, just like Michael McDonald, like young Michael McDonald. And so every time that he popped up in that one, like, wild opening scene, even if it was him, like, running or something, they would just go, yeah, you, or, like, take it to the streets. And so, like, I'm telling you the amount of times this our family, we have done that. And then I watched that same episode with my best friend Graham when I was on deployment one time. And so, like, just randomly on the radio, he'd get on and be like, yeah, you. And we would respond. It, it is, like, there's... There's, no, there's nobody else that sounds like Michael McDonald no. and it does sound goofy. And I totally get if somebody like my wife hears it and goes, I don't understand why you like this or, or want to listen to it, but it's like, he's committed to the bit, right? Like, this is just like, this is what I sound like when I sing and I'm going for it. If you hear him speak, which, which I have many times, it's just, it's just normal dude talking. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard him talking. Yeah. Can I list a few songs that were in the running that yeah, I'm shocked? Please do, yeah. It? Okay, so like no boss gags. I was thinking about Lowdown. I, I would have. I, I I will say that uh, Lido was very close on on the yeah. list yeah. for me. There's Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. There is very Benny good, Bono's, very which good. You mentioned right. Yeah. Uh, Brandy or a fine girl, which I that was on my list. Out. It was on my list. I can't. I don't think it's top nine. If we're, since it. we're doing three and three here. <laughs> Three rounds. Um, uh, no Toto songs. I would have done Hold the Line. And then yeah, the one man. I really kind of wanted to pick was Human Nature by Michael Jackson, which was written by Toto's Steve Porcaro. So yeah, like, I almost took Steal Away, Robbie Dupree. Sure, which is a total ripoff of Michael McDonald. It now, is. I have a question. Ah, so good. Carolyn, you brought up um, uh, you brought up uh, the, the Pina Colada song before mm. pre-taping, and I was all set to like rail against how horrible that song is. Which oh, it's I not good. It's I still love song. it. I did shout. Awful. I did shout it out during the jingle today. But it is like, yeah. It's, it's, it's I, I heard you say Rupert Holmes. Yeah, it's like the, like if you actually listen to it, and people are like, oh, it's such a sweet song. It's like no, no they're no, all trying bad. to get out of their no. marriage. And also, also like the ending is like, ha ha, we're meeting up at the bar, even though we were yeah. totally cheating on, we we're trying to cheat on each yeah. other. Look at all the things we have in common. La di da, we like yeah. pinacolas. No, you would get to the bar and be like. Yeah, we should probably get divorced. Yeah, probably like, <laughs> you know, like, God, who, yeah. that was you answering my, like, you my put, home was, You know, the man was the one, you, the you classic. put the person out there, and I answered it. We should get, this is not for <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a marital marital Mexican standoff. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so bad, and it's just like, yeah, but it is catchy. Also, again, used in. So uh, catchy. That's the other thing about this stuff is some of the songs actually are really bad. Like Steal Away is a bad song, but the, yeah. you know, those it works though. Chords. It's the vibes. Right. Oh my God. I just, that's catchy. Oh, such bops. I almost had a couple ELO on there. Honestly, and I feel the same way, not the same way as Escape, but both Toto or um, Africa and Rosanna, I, I feel like it's kind of like, I also love both of those, but they're not like the best. I mean, like the like it's all productions. Those those songs are just you can they're they're dumb on paper, and there's so much going on, all these different layers of of production happening on those songs that you can kind of listen to them forever and not really get sick of them because there's so much happening to to dig into in that song. I think I think instinctively our brains know there's like there's a lot happening here. Yeah, it's oh my god! I'm just looking at this list. And there's so many on here that it's, it's just, good stuff. I, I I feel like maybe I'll go and I, I have my own personal yacht rock playlist on Spotify, but maybe I'll maybe I'll go and build just a an a for the water cooler draft version of a playlist for anyone who's interested. Uh, Charles, thank you so much for joining us to let us all gush about this this <laughs> weird music that we like today. Um, and everybody can find all of the great stuff that you work on, just like, uh, just like the rest of our stuff over at For the Win. Thanks, y'all. This was really fun. <laughs>